have a seat, would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, we do just thank you. We honor you this morning, Lord. You are just worthy of worship. And Father, we pray that today you would teach us the wisdom of gentleness, the wisdom from above. Father, help us to see where we're living from the wisdom below and help us to ask and to receive the wisdom that you have for us. And I pray it would create a better tone and a healing tone and a life-giving tone uh, in all the relationships in our life. And I ask that, amen. Well, it's good to be with you, church. I feel like I haven't seen you in for because I was gone a week, so you don't care. I, I care, though, um, but it's good to be back with you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and isn't it crazy that only we're in the last month of 2022? Is that crazy to anyone else or just me? Okay, sermon, I see. Um, but hey, we're in this series on gentleness, and, uh, and I, I hope you're enjoying it and feel changed and learning, and growing. And as I was thinking about this series, every year the, the Guard, National Guard, makes us do physicals, and we have to go down to Columbus, and it's the most annoying thing ever. So a couple months ago, I had to go down and do it, and to get there in time, and you have to be there at ungodly hours, and I'll set like 3 a.m., and, uh, and so I drove down there, but on the way, I mean, 3 a.m. is not normal time for me. So I had one or two energy drinks on the drive. Um, I don't normally drink those. I drank a lot of them in college, but, you know, been past in my life. I, I usually don't, but, but that day I did. And the thing they check is your blood pressure. <laughs> so getting up, 3 a.m., two energy drinks, my blood pressure, it was a little high. Um, and then, not only that, it's also the most irritating thing ever to do this. So I was irritated, and you know, and, and finally they like recheck it 25 times till they can kind of get it in some place where they can check off on it. So we got there, uh, and I got home, and, and Allie was like, "Hey, you know how to go?" And I was like, "It's fine." I was like, my, "My blood pressure was a little high. I shouldn't have told her that." And and she was like, "Well, you are going to the doctor, and we're gonna." And I'm like, "Listen, I'm a grown man, okay?" You can't tell me what to do. And that week I went to the doctor and got, and got, and got my, yeah. They clapped at that for first service, too. What's up with that? And I got my blood work done, and, uh, and, and I was good. everything was good, you know. There was no, no issues my blood. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Blood pressure was it within normal range. But when I got, I'd never got my blood work done before, and seeing it all on that, that test, have you, have you ever done that, you know, like where all your levels are supposed to be, and then this is like the normal range, I was like, yeah, that's, that's interesting to see all that, you know, and, and the doctor's like, hey, you got to come in and do this like more, I'm like, great, but, but anyway, it's, it's interesting to see the, the picture of your health, you know, and, and what levels need to come up, and what levels might need to come down, and, and how that all works, and you know, if, if you had a test for the health of your soul, what would that look like? Right? Wouldn't it? It's, it's one thing to, to see your body in that snapshot, but what would it look like if we could test the health of our soul? Now, we could all probably um, think of some different qualities, some different characteristics of, of what a healthy soul looks like, but thankfully, God gives us some clarity on that. And in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. 
And these are the qualities of soul that God wants in every one of us. So just like in our blood work, you have cholesterol and testosterone and whatever those other ones are, but there's, there's a lot of them. You can see the levels of that. These qualities of soul, the fruits of the Spirit, God wants us to grow in each and every one of those. And one of those qualities is gentleness. One of those qualities is gentleness. God says that is part of what a healthy soul looks like. It's learning to become more gentle. So in this series, we've been exploring how do we do that? What does that look like? And we're going to continue that today. And I want to share two scriptures with you. They both share a similar theme. The first one is from Proverbs chapter 15. And Proverbs is an ancient book with all these sayings of wisdom. It's just a collection of wise sayings written by an ancient king named Solomon. And he says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then I want to look at James, because James is like a New Testament version of Proverbs. And James says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, if you see, both of these scriptures have this idea of gentleness and the connection to wisdom. So when we look through the book of Proverbs, it's all a a book about how do you live the wise life? What does the wise life look like? And essentially what what Solomon is saying is the wise life incorporates generosity. A gentle answer turns away wrath, right? When, When you're in conflict with your spouse, have you found it more helpful to escalate it or de escalate it? That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, here's a clue for you. De-escalate it. But yet, that's so hard to do, isn't it? It's so hard. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. And James is saying, James takes it and he goes deeper with it. And he says, hey, there's, there's a wisdom that comes from God and it looks a certain way. And he explains what that way is. And when we when we incorporate that wisdom into our life, it creates this harvest of righteousness. That's a real fancy way of it creates the right things in our life. The things that you and I actually want. So we're going to dig into these scriptures today, and and I want to talk about it just in three simple ways. James here shows us that whether we realize it or not, each of us is living from one of two power sources. Wisdom from above, or wisdom from below. There's only two places we're living from, above or below. And then we're going to talk about what those are, the wisdom from below and the wisdom from above. Now, what James shows us and what Proverbs shows us is that both of these qualities are in the middle of conflict, are in the middle of relationships not going great. Something's happening. 
People are, are sort of coming at each other. And, and these are the context of, of James and Proverbs talking about these concepts. Now, here's why that's important. Because how we respond to life and to people when they don't do what we want or when life doesn't go the way we want is how we know what power source we're living from. You with me on this? That's how we know if we're actually living from these places. A few months ago, Al and I were arguing about just something stupid, and we were kind of getting in a little fight, and, and all of a sudden she said to me, she said, Chet, I, sometimes I feel like I can't talk to you because you're so defensive and angry. I was like, I'm not defensive. <laughs> no. No, actually, it kind of it, it made me take a step back because I don't think of myself that way, right? I'm like, no, I'm not the problem. You are, right? That's where we always want to go, you know? You're, you're the one. And if you know Allie, that's probably a very hard thing to, you know, who's going to be the problem one in the chat or anyway? Um, but, uh, but, but that's, that's how, you know, I, I see and understand myself. But, but in that moment, it really was a little bit of a wake-up cause, like, all right, dude, like, you're, you're off the rails a little bit, right? You're not, you're not responding the way you're telling yourself you are. You know, you're not, you're not treating her the way you should. And, and it opened my eyes. It wasn't, you know, what I was looking here, but it's definitely what, what I needed to hear. And, and it showed me that, man, you're living from the wisdom that's below. And that's what, channel, that's what those moments in life will teach us, will show us what power source are we living from, above or below. Now, James says, if you read the context, he says the, the wisdom from below, it, it doesn't come from God, it comes from us. And we all learn good and bad certain ways of dealing with life, right? Our parents, they hopefully gave us some good stuff, but they also gave us some bad stuff too, right? They gave us some, some ways of approaching life that are healthy and good, but we also probably have some ways that we've learned from them that, that aren't healthy and good and that we need to unlearn, that we need to do different. And, and James says, if you're not intentionally seeking God for the wisdom that's from above, you'll be living and approaching life from the wisdom that's below. You with me on this? That's the default setting. That's how we come out of the factory with the wisdom that's from below. Only through God's help and asking God can we learn to live differently. You with me on this? Give me just like a, a very mediocre amen. amen. Thanks. Yeah, I just want to make sure everyone's alive today um, and, and tracking. So let's talk about this wisdom from below. What does it look like? Well, James is very clear. He says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Those are the defining features of the wisdom from below. Jealousy and selfish ambition. And he says, essentially, if we root those out of our heart, it's going to create space for a lot of really, really good things. Now, what is jealousy? When I was growing up, my cousin, he used to, we would always argue about, we were super competitive, argue about everything, and he'd always say, Chet, jealousy is a stinky cologne. 
And then he would go, he'd like sniff really loud and he'd go, and you stink. <laughs> I've tried to like say it the way he does and people are always like, wait, what are you saying? They never get it, but it was funny growing up. Um, but, but, but what is jealousy? Jealousy, it's, it's a, a, a belief that if God blesses someone else, he can't bless me in the way that I need. Right? That, the lie of jealousy is if God blesses others, then that blessing takes something away from me. And it puts us in an unhealthy and a broken place in our perspective. Because here's the reality. God can fully bless you in every way. It doesn't take anything away from his ability to bless me. Right? God has enough to go around for every one of us. He can infinitely bless each and every one of us, and God still has an abundance of blessing for everyone else, right? It doesn't take away anything, but the lie that we believe is that it does. My, we're trying to teach Emery, my, my three-year-old, to kind of share. She's, it's not going well. And our Abby, you know, whenever poor Abby, it's tough being the second born. Any second born? Yeah, me too. I realize how tough that made me, you know, just watching Emery bully Abby all the time. Um, but whenever Abby has a toy, Emery almost immediately just runs up and rips it out of her hands. And she's not gentle about it, you know, as push her down, take it, rip it out, whatever. Um, and I try not to laugh those times because sometimes I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. But I don't know. Anyway, but we tra- we're tra- trying to teach her. Now, if you were to come to our house, you would realize there are enough toys for a hundred kids in there. Christmas is coming up. Allie and I, we said, we're like, we've got to get rid of some of these because we know grandparents are coming. You know, and with them comes the avalanche of, of new stuff. These kids are not deprived in any way. Emery has plenty of stuff to play with. Abby has plenty. But Emery, her perspective is if she has it, then I'm lacking something. And don't you think that God has to look at us a little bit that way too? Because we're looking at others and we're like, well, why do they have it so easy? Why, why does everything seem to work for them? Why, I don't know if they deserve that. And, and we're looking in our and We don't say it out loud, but we're carrying around this, this jealousy in our heart. And God's like, son, daughter, I have plenty for you. Don't worry. Don't live in that place. I've, I've got all that you need and more, and I'm not going to hold out on you. You with me? And, and that's jealousy. Now let's talk about selfish ambition because he says, what does living from below look like? Well, jealousy, number one, when I'm seeing that in my life, I'm connected to the wrong power source. Here's the other thing to look out for. Selfish ambition. What is that? That means I am more in pursuit of my agenda, my dreams, and it's got to be my way, my time. It's everything is centered on me. Now, I know none of us know anything about that. But selfish ambition, it's where my ambition is what I think, what I want, and the way that I want it. 
And it's, it's an unwillingness to surrender my dreams and goals and control of life to God. I read an author this uh, recently. They said, the sooner that plans A, B, and C fail in your life, the quicker you you're, uh, are prepared to receive God's plan for your life. And what he was saying is that we all have plans A, B, and C, and we're, and we're gripping onto those. But have you ever noticed in life, God's plan for you is never your A, B, or C plan? It's always something different. But it's always good. It's always something you couldn't understand at the time. If he laid it all out to you, you know, years ago, you'd, you wouldn't get it. It wouldn't be helpful to you. So he has to lead you into it. But selfish ambition, it's the unwillingness to trust that God really has something better than what you and I can figure out for ourselves. And we hold on to it with a death grip. But here's what James says. When we do... It creates disorder in every vile practice. That word vile, it's like when something goes rotten. When something becomes, it's like milk that spills in your car and then the summer sun bakes it real good. And then you with me? And then you open it up and you take a whiff and you almost die. That's what it is right there. James says, if you want your life to stink like that then allow selfish ambition and jealousy to have a place. If you want, if you want disorder and, and chaos and brokenness, then, then allow space in your heart for those things. That's the wisdom from below. Now, I know none of us want that. But if we're not careful, and if we're not seeking the wisdom from above, that will be the natural course of action, right? Selfish ambition, that's, that's, I don't have to work at that, right? When I'm in an argument with Allie, I mean, there's some, there's been times, I know you're going to be shocked by this, but there's been times where I knew I was wrong, but I didn't want to admit it. Yeah, I know. I know you're blown away by that right now. But what is that? That's what James is saying. Selfish ambition, right? I, my way, I don't care if it's right or wrong. It's my way. Therefore, you know, I want you to respect that, acknowledge it, and do it that way or, or whatever. James says, man, that's, that's the root of our relational dysfunction. And that's because they're from the wisdom that is from below. But then he talks about the wisdom from above. And let's look at that. Here's how he describes it. The wisdom from above is first pure. Now, this is a great, you can leave that up, Steve. This is a great question to ask yourself. When you're, when you're struggling with your spouse, when you're struggling, say, man, is my heart pure right now? And, and what, what I mean by that is that many times I look at my heart and, and I want it to be pure, but what is actually there is more of ego promotion or ego protection. You know what I'm saying? In other words, the, the issue isn't really the issue. It, it's something deeper in my ego. You with me on this? And a pure heart is removed from those things. Second, 
It's peaceable. It's pursuing peace. The wisdom from above, it's not about who's right and who, it's, it's not about those things, but it's about peace. It's about creating a better future and accomplishing something meaningful. It's gentle, it's not harsh. Have you ever found harsh words to actually be helpful in anything, right? Are, are the people that are close to us, they've never been like, hey, thanks for, uh, laying into me. I was like, so helpful, right? Thanks for calling me that name. That, that really, that, it, it doesn't help. Anything. And when, when, people, when people come at you that way, what do you do? You don't become more open. You become more defensive, right? I mean, that's what I do. Put, put you know, then it's Put your guards up and all that. So the gentleness is from the wisdom of love. Open to reason. I love that one. I've been reading a, a book called Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. And Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist. And he writes specifically about why we as human beings disagree so harshly on politics, religion, and moral issues. Right? And we see that all the time, don't we? We, we disagree harshly on that. And he says, why is that? And his area of research is understanding what, what makes those areas um, so polarizing and, and so uh, conflict-ridden. And here's one of the big, thing that, big things that he's found, is that when you and I decide and have a conviction about something, it's usually not birthed from logical and reasonable thinking. You're like, well, for me it is. I can see that for other people. That's what everybody thinks, right? What he says is that all of us, we first tend to make decisions and convictions at the gut level. It's like an instinct. It happens quickly without thinking. And then here's what our mind does. Our mind's like, well, I know it's got to be a little bit more than that. So then our mind starts to come up with reasons why that initial reaction is good and right. So we kind of decide, and then we come back to that decision and justify it. Right? And we've all seen people do this, right? You're like, dude, you are justifying a terrible idea right now. But they're, but they're, they're passionate about it, right? They're, they're convinced on it. Well, why is that? Because that's how it works. Now, if we know others do that, it means that we also do it too, right? Here, here's what James is saying. We are not as open to reason as we think we are. Did you all hear that? We, yeah, we, we are not, we are not as, as reasonable as we think we are. What James saying is, he's saying you actually need God's help to be a more reasonable person. You need God's help to be a more open person. And some, in those moments, church, those moments in our relationships, when we are so convinced we're right and the other person is wrong, and we are like cemented in that, those are the moments we got to take a step back and say, maybe my position isn't as strong as I think it is. 
You know how healthy that would be? Now, I've never done that, but I totally believe in the idea of it. <laughs> I've not practiced this one yet, but I totally believe in the idea of it. Um, but, it but seriously, church, isn't that true? And, and what a game changer. So he says the wisdom from above is open to reason. And then the next one, it's full of mercy. It's full of grace. It, it, it's full of, of a willingness to, to give people room and space. It's impartial. It's non-judgmental. That's what that word means. It's non-judgmental. It's not self-righteous. It's not, we're not on a high horse, and it's sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So James says, that's what the wisdom from above looks like. And I want you to just think about your life. What do you see more in your life? The wisdom from below or the wisdom from above? Now, I know when I look at my life, I could use some more wisdom from above. Anyone else? If I'm being honest, I could use some more wisdom from above. I, I, I wish it was all wisdom from above, but if I'm honest, there's too much wisdom from below. Now, here's the beauty of this message today. How do you get the wisdom from above? Because it doesn't come natural, right? We're not going to wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden have a different temperament and be a radically different person. So how do we get it? Well, here's what is so awesome. James says the way you get it is so simple that you can miss it. The way we get it is we just ask God for it. That's it. We just ask God. We say, God, give me the wisdom from above. James 1, it begins like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Now, here's what that means. And here's maybe the biggest issue for many of us today. Is that if you are going to ask God for wisdom, you're admitting that you don't have it. This is where we most get caught up is that we think we live from the wisdom from above, but we actually live more from the wisdom from below. In the very first step in this is to say, I need more wisdom from above. I'm not doing as good as I think I am. Allie showed me, Chet, you're not doing as good as you think you are. Uh, truthfully, right? And if, and if we're looking... God will reveal that to us in moments that we need. So first we have to say, I don't have it. And then second, let him, put that verse back up, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach. Now here's the beautiful thing. You can, if you've never asked God for this ever, he won't be like, oh, now you want it? Like he won't have that attitude. He'll be like, where you? You should have, you needed that the last 40 years of your life. Now you want it, you know? I'm not giving it to you. Or if you are like constantly asking for it, like, you know, it's, it's like 9 o'clock and then it's 9.03 and then 9.07 and I, God's not like, quit. As, no, he gives it without, he's not holding any of that against you. You can just ask him all the time and any time and he will give generously. It will be given to you. Now, James says one more thing about this, but he says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. I think that's a point we miss too. 
and we can't miss it. James says, today, if you ask God for the wisdom from above, then when you walk out these doors, walk out with the confidence that he's going to answer that prayer. Don't do the, the wishy-washy, well, you know, maybe God will help me in this, maybe he won't. No, James says, when you ask for it, then you expect that God is going to follow through on it. And you walk out of these doors as a person filled with the wisdom from above. How cool is that? And James says, this is, this is how we live in it. Our, our two daughters were, you know, it's interesting in this, this phase because it's all about like helping them to become more independent, you know? We're potty tra- trying to potty train. That's an adventure. Um, and, you know, yeah, trying to teach, teach Emery that and, you know, have them feed themselves. I've been um, talking to Emery about getting a job now. She's coming up on. I said, sorry, babe, inflation's killing mom and dad. You know, you got you to gotta, you gotta start contributing here. Um, but, you know, the, the, whole, the whole goal is to create more independence, right? That's, that's kind of a lot of the, the stage is like, you know, brush your teeth and go to the bathroom and, you know, all that kind of thing, right? Um, that, that's the goal. And, and you want to help them gain that. Ironically, the path to growth in the Christian life is all about dependence. It's the exact opposite. It's weird because all our life, we're on that path to be more independent, right? All our life, it's about gaining more responsibility on your own and, you know, um, covering your, all your bases on your own and being more responsible. And, and that, that makes perfect sense in life. But while we're doing that, God calls us to go the exact opposite direction where every day we're becoming more dependent on him. This is what James is telling us. The more I can realize that I I deeply need God to live this life well, the more mature I'm actually becoming. The more I'm praying James 1, throughout the day, Lord, I lack wisdom, I'm asking of you, and I'm trusting that you will give it, the more healthy, the more you say that prayer, that actually means the more healthy your soul is. You with me? The more you're just, you're, you're crying out to God and saying, man, truly help me, truly shape my soul, truly give me the strength and the resources that I don't have. Church, that's what growth looks like for us. As kids growing to adults, it looks like figuring it out on our own. As Christians growing from a toddler to an adult, it looks like radically depending on God more and more and more. So here's my challenge to you. I just want you to say that prayer and just keep saying that prayer. Keep seeking that wisdom that I believe if we're honest, we all need it. We all need that wisdom from above and and asking God to help us live it out. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful, Lord, that you just generously 
offer the wisdom from above, Lord, that, that we don't have to do anything crazy or achieve or earn or prove our worth for it. Lord, we can just humbly ask for it. And Father, this morning, I know in my own life, I live too much from the wisdom that's below. I live too much from selfish ambition and jealousy and my own broken ways of connecting to others in this world. And Father, I just pray that you would fill my heart and my life. I pray you would fill our hearts and our lives with the wisdom that is from above. And I pray, Lord, all those qualities of peaceable peace and gentleness, mercy, open to reason. I, I pray all of those, Lord, would, would just permeate our families, our marriages, our workplaces, our church, Lord. Everywhere where we are, I pray, Father, that wisdom would, would flow out of us and bless the environment around us. Father, we cannot do it, any of it, without you. So we pray for your merciful and your powerful hand to be at work in us and through us. Bless us with this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.